1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Let us read together the word of the Lord and then pray for His work in our hearts and our souls that we may hear Him. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. And therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Father, uh, we come we come here today at this time that you have predetermined. Father, we've come now that we would not be unaware, that we would not be ignorant of these abilities that you use through your people. Father, may our hearts be molded in such a way that we hear this. The Father, we bow to this. The Father, we embrace this and we rejoice in this. And Father, we give you the praise even now to know that your spirit and dwelling your people will strengthen us for the task at his hand and empower us with the abilities of the heavenlies to accomplish your will in every aspect that you lay before us for eternity. To your glory and praise, Christ's name, amen. Last week I concluded with a thought, with a challenge. It's the same challenge that you see the Apostle Paul gave the church in Corinth in chapter 1, verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, you are not lacking in any gift. Okay? Castle Rock Baptist Church, are you lacking in any gift? We've been looking over these last few weeks at, at a three, what I call a three points um, outline that you'll see there in your bulletin. That there is an importance on spiritual gifts, there is the source of spiritual gifts, and there is the test of spiritual gifts. But we are testing these spirituals. We are testing them. Right? Because the Apostle Paul in urgency says, I do not want you to be unaware in verse 1. Okay? There, the body of Christ, you need to understand this. I, I think that we miss this a lot. Uh, I heard a message uh, that was supposedly dealing with the people of the Bible. And uh, the man was teaching on the person of Titus. And he read Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And then he proceeded for the rest of the message to quote other people and tell stories about other people. Um, And I thought, but I thought you were going to explain to me Titus. And yet this is a very large church, huge church. They have everything that you would ever dream that a church is supposed to have. And then I ask myself, how in the world does this happen? How can a man quote scripture and begin telling stories? And that's really what he did. He told about a, um, a lady in Chicago and a guy in Biloxi and what Eubius had once said about Titus. And if you don't know who Eubius is... Um, do I need to say more? 
Okay? I mean, one of the greatest things that I've ever heard said about a Christian was said of Titus. He's a genuine child of the faith. I mean, Paul only uses that phrase on two people in all of Holy Writ. I mean, that right there could probably deserve a little explaining. And yet, this man, which a lot of people go to his church, never did explain what Titus is. But I'm going to listen next week. and Maybe it's an introduction and I missed something. Okay, I mean, if he's got a letter and his name is Titus, I ought to... Find something out about him. Anyway, what I've learned is, and what the scriptures teach, and what you should be aware of, is that the church is fully equipped. It is fully equipped for the maturing of the saints for the work of ministry, for service. Fully equipped that the church will be the fullness of Jesus Christ. It's already there. This church, Corinth... Um, on the isthmus across from Athens, was uh, a little on the confused side to the point that I would even call it chaotic. They weren't really sure. There was, to, to really just summarize it, there was a failure on the part of the gifted men to do the job they were supposed to do in maturing the saints. I shared with you that message that I heard this this day on this man was going to explain to me Titus. And when he was finished, I can guarantee you there was no maturing of the saints. I can guarantee it. Eubius does not mature saints. All right. But there was also in the Corinthian church a failure on the part of the saints to minister the gifts that they had been given. Instead, they uh, kind of existed in a place of confusion. And they weren't really sure what they were supposed to do. The gifted teachers weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to do and the gifted people are not exercising their gift, then chaos will break out. And there was definitely, I would say in this church, an urgent need to understand the gifts and the ministry of the gifts. I believe today that need, that urgency is as great today as, as any time ever. Do we really understand what the gifts are And do we understand what it means to serve those gifts, to serve through those gifts? So this is an important section for all of us. The church um, had very little or no order. This church uh, was carnal. It was fleshly. Everything was being done in human energy and human abilities. And yet Galatians chapter 5 tells me that the deeds of the flesh are... Evident. I can see them. Okay. Second Timothy chapter three, Paul says in the latter times, it will become difficult because the people in the church will be noted for one great massive thing. They will be lovers of self. Listen, the people will be lovers of themselves always. Always. Unless the gifted teachers teach strengthening them in maturity So that they will serve. A lover of self will never serve. Do you understand that? It's impossible. They can't. 
A lover of self wants to be served. All right? The manifestation of the gifts, if you want to see what the gifts truly look like, what do these gifts look like? Then you always look to Christ. Why? It is the Spirit of Christ manifesting Christ. That is the spirituals. That's the spiritual gifts. It's an enabling. It's an ability. Spiro speaking on this church in Corinth. He's got a wonderful book that is just an overview of these three chapters, 12, 13, and 14. And here's a quote from Spiro Zodiades. Corinthians had managed to pervert the life of the church in every way possible, including the spiritual gifts, unquote. I see that today. I see that today. This society that the church in Corinth existed in was overwhelmed by false religion everywhere. There was, history says, every day was some pagan festival, some holy day, some high holy time that you worship a demon. And the church in Corinth, basically their public worship was a disaster. Their public worship was an exercise in selfishness. Think about that today. In the churches today, the church in America, the church around Castle Rock, the church along the Front Range, is the public worship. What is the emphasis of it? What is the focus of it? I see in the church in Corinth, gluttony. I see drunkenness. I see frenzies. I see enthusiasm. What do you see in the church in America? And they call it in the name of worship. I mean, I can show you the extremes. I can show you the time that I've seen a video of a man at a church in Brownsville, Florida, where the preacher claimed that he had not prepared, was not ready to preach. And all of a sudden, his worship leader fell down on the floor and began convulsing. And the Spirit showed him that he was giving birth to new Christians. I've seen the video. Okay? I've seen an, an interview by a reporter says, but I see this. And can you explain? It seems chaotic. This was the reporter. And here was the pastor's response. I quote, well, it's very simple. It's either real or it's not. Well, wait a minute. The reporter's response was, well, which is it? And I, all I could think was the lost reporter knows more what's going on in the congregation of Christ than the pastor does. I've seen people who claim to be slain in the spirit. They swoon. They fall over. I've seen laughing in the spirit. And I can go on and I can go on and I can go on and I can go on. And basically, as I look at the church in Corinth, as I look at the church today, Satan is busy, 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 busy 
counterfeiting the gifts. And he's got carnal people who are left standing there in confusion, (coughs) asking themselves, what's real? What's not? Let's be realistic today. I want you to really think about this. (coughs) We have exalted that that makes us ecstatic. If you look at the worship that we call worship today, it's the exaltation of was I ecstatic? Okay, think about it. Ask a person, did you worship today and what will you hear? What will be the response? And ask yourself if it does not fall into, it was exciting, it was powerful, it was moving. Or they come up with this really new one. Actually, it ain't that new. I just get tired of hearing it. It was very relevant. What the heck does that mean? Does it help me change a flat tire? That's relevant. So, you see this. When you look at this text, chapter 12, basic theology. Chapter 13 talks of love in which the gifts operate. Did you know that chapter 13 has nothing to do with marrying? Just for your information, a lot of people will read chapter 13 as love never brags and never does this. It ain't got nothing about that woman or that man. It's got to do with the exercise of the spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 deals with the abuses of the spiritual gifts. Okay? Now then, back into your text, it says here, Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be unaware. He says, I want you to understand this is important. Okay? Now then, I'm going to start digging deeper now. Alright? So you're going to have to stick with me. Alright? This is where you might want to write them down. Alright? In this text, you're going to find five distinct terms speaking of the gifts. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about five gifts. I'm talking about the power source for the gifts. The first power source is in verse 1. Okay? There's descriptive. And it is for the ministries of Christ given to the church for the body of Christ. And now you read verse 1 and you says, I don't see no power source there. Aha! There is. Okay? Whatever the ministries are, hear me on this. I know people right now who think, well, I'm ministering or I need to minister or I want to minister. Whatever the ministries are that God has given the church, okay, it is of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now how do I get that out of here? Easy. If you look right there in your text, it says, now concerning spirituals. The spiritual. Okay, gifts is italicized. It's been added because of chapter 1, verse 17. Okay? So it's a gift. And it's a spiritual. It's chrismic. Okay, it's a word that you... No, I'm sorry. It is pneumatic. Okay, it's the word we get pneumatic from. Uh, It's the word puff. 
It's the word that we get Holy Spirit comes out of. Except this word ends with alliteration of I-K. Okay? Anytime you say ick. Okay? She left. I was going to get Kindle. Ick is ick. Okay? Anytime you see I-K in the Greek... All right? It means it is controlled by or characterized by. All right? So when you see here the spirituals, then you have to ask yourself there is a controlling of or characterized by. All right? So these gifts, these abilities, these divine abilities and endowments have a power source. And the power source is the word we get Holy Spirit from, pneumatos, pneumate. Okay? It, and it means to puff forth, it means air, it means to breathe out. Okay, it's the same term that is used that all God's word is puffed out, it is breathed forth. That is this ministry of the spirituals. The spirituals come through. Any ministry you have is a service of the Holy Spirit through an earthen vessel. It will be characterized by the person of the Holy Spirit. It will be controlled by... By what? Enthusiasm? What will be controlled by? The Holy Spirit. Please understand that. If you see a person who is out of control claiming to be ministering a gift, guess what? That's not what the Scripture teaches. That's not what the Scripture teaches. Alright, now keep in your mind, that's the first term to describe spiritual gifts. There's five of them. Five terms describing what the spiritual gifts are. And I'm not talking the specific gift. I'm talking about the source of the gift and what does its manifestation look like. And the first one is that it is of the Holy Spirit, controlled by this Holy Spirit, characterized by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So it is, please, 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 it is not, no, never, can be, never, will be controlled or characterized by the man. Impossible. Impossible. So it will be a non-characteristic of a human being that characterizes the Spirit of God. Alright? So Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware I don't want you to be ignorant about that. And it's literally the term that he uses. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I don't want you to be stupid about this. Why? This is is essential. I need you to understand this. Not only do I need you not to be ignorant about this, I need you to be so aware of this that you have the ability to discern it and to teach it. Why? Because it is vital. It is essence. It's essential. To the body of Christ. You look at the church today, and I have to say she's crippled. She's crippled. Most of the churches, if you go with the conservative side of the church, you would say it is strictly done in the strength of man. Okay? And then you have the other side. Wayne calls those the doodahs. Okay? And they are chaotic and confused. They're just... It's all of the God. It's got to be of God. See, the Corinthians bought into what the church in America bought into. 
please get a hold of this. We think it's stupid and goofy and we sit there and go, God, what a bunch of morons. Let me tell you something. Today in the body of Christ, we believe that if it happens in the church setting, that it's got to be of God. Where's Satan the most active? Democratic Party. <laughs> no. <clears throat> no. The church. The church. Okay? Now, I want you to drop and watch because this all flows together. Okay, he says here, You know that when you were, New American Standard Translation says pagans. Okay, you know what that word is? Ethnos. When you were of an ethnic, when you were of a nation, when you were of a congregation of people. Okay? Specifically, at times it's used to speak of a non-Jew. You're either Jews or you're ethnos. Okay? Some of your translations may say Greek. Some may say barbarian. Okay? Some may say pagan. In a specific format, it is used to speak of a non-Jew. Okay? In a general format, it speaks of lost people. Okay? It's a non-Christian. These heathen, these pagans, these Gentiles. Anyone who does not know God. He says, you know that when you were, past tense, these type of people. Non-knowers of God. You were non-believers. Okay? And he says, let me characterize you. Let me explain to you how you were when you were this non-believer. Okay? The New American Standards translates it. You were led astray. You were led astray. You were just taken and led astray. Okay? <clears throat> you were... It literally means to be carried away unto mute idols. You know what mute is, right? That would be them dumb idols. Okay? They have no community... No ability to communicate. All right? The phrasing of led astray has the mentality and pictures... A victim. A victim. It is somebody in a system of religion who has no choice about what is going on. They are chained prisoner and they are chained and carried to dumb idols, to mute idols. They are bound. They have no abilities. The verb in the Bible always refers to a prisoner. It's the leading of a prisoner or leading of the condemned. You see it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 44. Judas giving instruction to the group he is with. He says, To the one that I kiss, him lead away. Same verb. Take him prisoner. Take hold on the one that I kiss. Okay, in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 16, it is used to speak of Jesus being chained and carried into the praetorium to go before Pilate. He was a prisoner. He had no choice. It is someone who is caught and dragged away. It is someone who is in, uh, who's, has no choice and who's in control. They have no ability to do what they want to do. And they, even to the point that they'll take them over to a dumb idol, a mute idol. See, I, we, I, wanted, I want you to focus on this a little bit because it, the lost people, and he's saying here, contrasting where you are now, where you used to be, you're not in, an intelligent thing choosing freely and following what the mind has concluded. 
I see people in the lost world who believe that they have this freedom and that through my intelligence and through my conclusions, I am going this way. And the Bible says you are a chained prisoner. You are drug off and you have absolutely no choice of where you're going. I use this illustration Sunday night. I'll use it again. I had a cousin who raised hogs. Okay, and I, I mean, it was big. I mean, we're talking big production thing. Several, uh, probably 25 or 35,000 pigs. Okay, and then, and I mean, big. I mean, you, we always like to think about the little cute. Cl- no, these are big, nasty, stinky, boy, going to be bacon pigs. Okay. Um, and I mean, he had boars that stood about that tall and could get right around a grand, a thousand pounds. Okay, and had the great big teeth that stick up out of their jaws and just mad at the universe. I guess if I was reincarnated as a pig, I'd be mad too. Okay, but I remember they all had a ring in their nose. Okay, and I remember we pulled up one day to the pen where all the boars were. He was getting ready to breed. And he pulled up to the pen where the boars were. As soon as they heard the to- truck doors shut, they started ramming these two by eight po- or these two by eight fence plates on eight by eight posts, and the whole thing was shaking. And you're sitting there going, "Gee, many crickets!" And we're going to do what? And we're going to get them out and take them over. We ain't doing nothing. I'm sitting in the truck with the motor running. Okay, and I'm not going to try to run over that pig. I'm going to try to run away from that pig. Okay, but I mean, I, I remember all these, and they were ugly, and they were uh, big old tusks sticking out of their jaws. And he could reach in. He had this big old stinking uh, shaft. It was about like that. It had a hook on one end and a big old T-bolt, T-bolt handle on the end of it. And he'd reach in, and that thing would hit that wall, bam, and just shake it. And he'd be holding on to the post, and he'd reach down with that hook and stick it in that ring. And that thing became docile just like that, just stopped. He'd reach down and put a little uh, leash on it like you'd put on a dog collar. And he'd lead that sucker out by the nose. And that thing would just walk right behind him like it was your favorite puppy. Okay? But until you got that ring in that nose, that thing was ticked. Okay? That is the terminology, the picture that the Apostle Paul is laying out is that you were led by the nose... To dumb anim or to, to dumb mutes, a- idols, dumb animals. Okay, that's lost people. Here they are. They are helpless victims. They don't know no better than to be just led away in chains to an idol. You need to really realize this. Why? Remember what we shared a couple of weeks ago in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5? Our war is not with flesh and blood or weapons of war. Why? It is for tearing down fortresses. Fortresses. Right? And you can only do it how? In the mightiness of God. Okay? You can only do that through God's abilities. See, to be a Christian, I hear people say, I don't want to be a Christian. I have to give up my freedom. So let me tell you something. I want to set you free. You're being led around in chains to dumb idols. See, 
the lost are restricted to having to do certain things. You know, I've, I've heard it said before. I, I can choose whatever I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And all I can look at them and say, dude, you are chained and being drug around. Romans 6 says you were a slave to sin. You know what a slave's rights are? To do whatever the master commands. That's what an unbeliever is. He's led astray to worship a non-God. Everybody worships. Everybody worships somewhere. Those who are lost are worshiping non-gods. Idols. Here's what's amazing. Idols are mute. He uses that phrase. Look here. He says they're mute idols. They're dumb idols. You know what that means? They can't answer you. Who should I marry? What job should I take? How do I get to heaven? It doesn't. What's the answer? We're still waiting. Still waiting. Led away to worship these. They can't respond. So what authority do they have? See, that's the religion of man. That's the religion that man who does not know God has. 1 Corinthians 10, I'll back you up just a little bit. Verse 19 and 20 says that you're led to these. They're mute. Yes, but they do have a force behind them. Demons. You are chained and following demons. Drug around. Galatians chapter 4 verse 8. They serve those who are no gods. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. In the vanity of the mind, their understanding is darkness. Characteristics of worshiping the lost. In Titus chapter 3, verse 3, he says this, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. That's it. That's what you manifest in this chain. If you go over and read Peter's dissertation on this, it's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, he says this, For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, darkness, carousing, drinking, parties, and abominable idolatries that lead you around in chains as a prisoner. Okay? That's the tragedy of the unredeemed. That is the tearing down of the fortresses, the ideologies that exist all around you. How are you going to do that outside of the mightiness of God? Okay, now, you're sitting there, well, I'm trying to figure out how in the heck you get all of this you were led thing going in here, and how does this got to do with the price of spiritual gifts in China? Okay? Let me show you something. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, this same verb is used. Fascinating verb, actually. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to show you the verb here. Okay, remember you were pagans. You were of that other group. Okay, you were chained away, drug away, carried away to these dumb idols who have no authority. And it says here in the New American Standard, however you were led, you were just drugged. 
however you were led. This is the same verb that you see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. Okay? Yeah, we'll get in trouble. Oh, well. He's talking about false people. The wheat and the tares not being able to discern. It says, from among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins. Then here's the phrase. Led on by what? Various impulses. Okay. Drug along by these various impulses. They creep into these houses and they lead these weak women away. They're led by what? Epitumia. By lust. By desires. By the flesh. By the flesh. He said, now know this. I showed you the source. I've already dealt with the importance. I need to test this. If it is done by impulses, if it is done by enthusiasm, if it is done by emotion, if it is done by these epithumines, these overwhelming desires, guess what it's not? That's the way you used to go chained to the idol. You were led away, captivated by lust. You were captivated by desire. You were overwhelmed by this stuff and you just were drug around. That's not a spiritual gift is what he's saying. That's the key to this. It isn't enthusiasm. It isn't ecstasy. Okay. You were victims at one time. You were led away and around by demons. You used to worship the way the pagans do. In enthusiasm and in ecstasy. And what he's saying is you've brought those old patterns into the church. You know what he's saying? You're letting demons invade your worship. That's pretty serious. You are letting demons invade your worship and you think that it's God. And it's a no God. It's a dumb idol. It has no authority. He says, why would you go back there? That's the implication that is there. And here's what he's laying out here. If it's in the church, then it must be of God. Okay, here's the church. The church in Corinth is unable to see the difference between what is real and what is fake. What is usual and what is unusual. Here's the church who can't discern between the demonic and the divine. And they're doing it because of I was enthusiastic. Listen, when I hear words like, I felt God's presence, where did that come from? Okay, well, it just made me tingle. Made you what? Tingle. Do you hear what I'm trying to get at? How it it creeps in and we base it on enthusiasm. Well, man, I just felt his presence. But I thought he was invisible. I thought he was spirit. How do you feel a spirit? Listen, God is God of the mind. He is a 
coherent God. He is a God who says, let us reason together. He doesn't say, listen, let me use this illustration. You've heard this before. I was slain in the spirit. Okay. What was that? You might have been slain and you might have been slain by a spirit, but the spirit wasn't God. He don't do that. You can't show me that in Holy Writ, 66 books. You can't show it to me. It's non-existent. What was it? I don't know. But I can tell you this. I know what it wasn't. Do you see what he's trying to deal with here? But I was in church. It had to be of God. You know, I was, we were just there. Why do you see so much music? Why do you see so much repetitive in the choruses? There's a reason. Have you ever heard this? I want the music to set the mood. Well, I thought that's what you did when you went on a date. I am walking into the Holy of Holies. What mood do I want? But I want to feel what? What? What do you want to feel? That's what was corrupting the church in Corinth. They had no clue. They had no clue. Why? Well, it has to be of God because we were gathered together. Listen, Paul is trying to get to you and me today as he was trying to get to the Corinthians. Truly spiritual is not by, by being carried away. Okay, it, with this ecstatic thing. Um, that was the former you. That was the former old you. Truly spiritual is not marked by being swept away by the things of God. How many do you see to do that today? Okay, listen, if you go to a concert, then you go to a concert. Hallelujah. All right, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't call it worshiping. It's not worshiping. It has nothing to do with worshiping. I don't know who the praise band that rundered around with Paul was. I don't know who they were. See what I'm trying to get at? And look at all the things that we do today that we call worship that is solely based on self-gratifying enthusiasm. Listen, let me try to give it to you in a Terry vernacular. Out of control is never a Christian's use of his gift. Okay? Okay? We need to be aware. Okay, I'm going to conclude with this thought. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> when people counterfeit something, don't they counterfeit something that's valuable? You don't see people out counterfeiting pennies. Do you? You don't see people out counterfeiting brown wrapping paper. Look, I've got a whole bunch of counterfeit sticks. Right? If you're going to counterfeit a painting, you're not going to take one of Joshua's kindergarten paintings and counterfeit it. 
Right? How important are spiritual gifts? They're worse than that. Look how much they're counterfeited. And you only counterfeit that that is valuable. I dealt with 19 separate cases this last week of people counterfeiting gifts. And they weren't people that you would consider silly. But what they were claiming as a spiritual gift was not. One week, I run into 19 separate incidences. And you're going to tell me that they ain't... If the enemy is that busy counterfeiting that, how valuable are these? What's your gift? Have you manifested it in the characteristics and the control of the Holy Spirit? Or is it manifested in whose control? That's the question. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for this day. Praise for your gifts. Father, your enablings. The power that you pour through your people. Father, may we desire your will. May we desire your way. May we desire your face. Father, we cast it to you even now. Father, we rest full weight upon you. The things that you do. Father, we cherish what you're doing. Father, let us discern. Father, we don't need to be critical. Father, let us understand that we're dealing with ideologies that can only be torn down by the power and the might of God. But Father, let us be discerning. Let us draw upon what you do. And Father, let us be aware, oh so aware. But Father, those who teach to strengthen spirituals, Father, let them get busy. Father, those who are truly saved this day, who are empowered by you, Father, let them get busy. Serving in the power that only spoke existence into being. And we praise you even this day. That this body, this group of people right now, will be the fullness of Jesus Christ in every manifestation, in every action, every attitude, and every privilege that we are graced. To your praise, to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.